Hello, Salon Sleuth fans. My name is Melissa and my co-host is Leslie. We decided we wanted to share our salon stories. We both have an interest in crime stories and a fascination with the psychic world. So settle in each week as we share another story with you. Who knows, you might even learn something. Salon Sleuth fans. I hope everyone is well. Uh, Leslie and I want to just do a shout out. I know we try to stay political for pol politics free, I guess it would be. Um, but we have had some things going on in our community. Um, and we've just now been hit with wildfires in the Pacific Northwest in California. And we want to express our sorrow for all of the people that um, have lost their homes, um, their livelihood, their belongings. And we wanna thank those heroes out there fighting the fires and everybody who's cleaning up. Um, we basically were shut down um, for two weeks with smoke and these fires and they were just pretty much all around us and we just couldn't get away from it. And um, like we were in level ones and twos and threes evacuation zones. Yeah, yeah. Which I have never experienced in my life. It was scary, but imagine the people that were right next to it in level threes. Oh yeah. And you know, I think about California and how they go through this every summer and we just don't typically have this problem. You know, sometimes we'll, we'll have fires. Obviously we had Hood River a couple of years ago or um, the gorge and you know, that was set by some, some kids which was very tragic and very sad. Um, but we don't normally have this amount. We usually get something around like Black Butte, Eastern Oregon, because it's so dry there. Um, you know, even a spark from a car along the freeway can cause it. But this was extremely bad. And then we got winds and that was kind of what magnified. Sparked everything. It was terrible. Yeah, it was. So we just want to do a, a quick little shout out. We, we want to keep this podcast fun and lively, but, you know, there's just some times where you just can't ignore what's going on in the world. Yeah. So, um, we just... And we have a lot of crazy stuff happening here in Portland, Oregon. Oh, I know. It is like, I'm sure people have seen it on the news. Yeah. And it might be just as bad as they portray it on the news. I know sometimes they can make it worse or downplay it but i think um we can all say we have all these crazy riots we have protesters we have this crazy smoke that it was at very dangerous levels to be outside it would be black at like noon yeah and yeah, then right. you got covid and you've got this and that and like is this the end of the world where's the earthquake that's taking us all out at this point because it did it did look like we were living on mars in some locations and especially those first couple of days it looked orange outside yes it was and so weird i've never been so thankful to have these n95 masks all over the place because i became one of those weird people driving around in the car with my mask on because if i took it off i was coughing my eyes were burning if I ran errands um, and it just wasn't even worth it to sort of, you know, go out if you didn't really have to. And I feel bad for people who didn't have air conditioning. It did, it cooled down because the sun wasn't getting through the clouds, but um, you know, at least we could keep the the air moving. Yeah. My private pooper, Daisy yeah. kept going out on the deck and we'd have to bring her back in. And sometimes she would sneak out without us knowing because she has a dog door. And she would totally come in coughing. Yeah. 
Well, you know what is kind of perfect before we get into your case today, which is missing persons. We should go through this because you actually just brought up the weird stuff that's been happening in in the city. And I do want to point out that the BLM movement, Black Lives Matter, um, very important. It it looks horrible on TV. It is horrible. It is really isolated to probably a three block radius. So if you are in downtown Portland, there's there's a whole lot of downtown Portland that isn't being affected by this, but it's really kind of a, a small portion where the rioting and everything is really right in front of the Justice Center. And um, while that is horrible, it's not like our whole city is on fire and, you know, you can't even drive downtown. You can. There's actually some gorgeous art down there. I don't know if you went down and showed your kids it, Le- Leslie. Uh-uh. Um, well, we did go see a memorial about that girl I told you about. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's... I didn't go downtown because my car looks like a police car. It does. My truck. And so I'm not about to take that down there, especially when people are like anti-police right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it has a police bumper on the front of it. It's huge. Yeah, your car is huge. And your van is not much better. It looks like something that SWAT would. We're all like SWAT team household here. Well, so here, let's do my um, story today, which this is called, I got this information and then I kind of supplemented, is called onlyinyourstate.com. And it's these weird things that have only happened in Oregon. So it's actually kind of, um, you didn't even know what I was going to cover today. So it's kind of, I didn't. Topical. Yeah. It's kind of topical that you're like, Oh my gosh, all this weird stuff is, is happening in Oregon. So, um, some of it's fun. One of the things that, um, you first, when you first said that you had heard about the Portland naked bike ride, right? Oh, yes. I was going to volunteer. In fact, I bought a nude bodysuit that goes from like, it's like leggings all the way up to like a tank top. Oh my gosh, I love it. And I'm just going to wear that. So I looked nude, but I wasn't nude. And my kids were like begging me not to do it. (laughs) Like I was all ready to go downtown and volunteer. I signed up to volunteer and then they were just begging me, no, please don't. And so I didn't go. Oh, I still have the suit. It's still in the bag, ready to be worn. Okay, so here's the deal. You don't have to go completely buff. First of all, okay, so I didn't know much about it. In fact, I'm going to claim ignorance that I've lived in Oregon my whole life um, in the outskirts, so I wasn't downtown Portland, but um, I did not realize that this is the world's largest naked bike ride now. They had over 10,000 people in 2015 do this bike ride. And let me just tell you, just from the people I know who have been there and who have told me this, most people who are doing these bike rides aren't be like, they're not the people that are doing Tour de France or whatever. No. These are people that look like they are getting on a bike for like the first time in many years. Yes. And it's the same people that you see at nude beaches that probably shouldn't be on a nude beach. Yeah. It's, it's, okay. not, there's, there's no size requirement. There's, yeah. There's no, it's not like a pretty, naked bike ride. No, no, no. And what I didn't know, I'm going to claim ignorance again. I kind of thought it was with gay pride for some reason, and maybe it happens similar time period, but I thought it was kind of wrapped into that. Well, no, it's actually a a protest um, and celebrating bicycling, but protesting our dependence on motor vehicles. Did you know that? Yeah. Okay. So I, I did not know that, but now various states 
um, also have these bike rides, but ours is the biggest. I don't know if it's still the biggest or whatever, you know, but in 2015, it had over 10,000 and it was the, the world's biggest. Um, and you're not required to come in some state of nudity. In fact, that super funny little quotes on their website, meaning or saying like, if you rent a bike, please sanitize it. If you don't choose to wear any bottoms before you give it back. <laughs> I know. And there's people that do have some clothes on. There's people that don't have any, I mean, I'm, I'm a little concerned that you're like, especially men on a bicycle all crunched up in there. But um, there was a quote from one of the guys and he was on camera saying, I brought some shorts just in case it wasn't very comfortable. <laughs> well, I'm imagining if it was, if what, what time of year is this? It's June. Yeah. So like if it's hot out, I'm imagining things aren't tucked up all neat and tidy. Yeah. 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 And here's the funny thing is that they- it's like a division sign. Yeah. They moved the bike ride kind of, um, it used to be downtown and they moved it to the Southeast and kind of started in Southeast and rode to downtown and the neighborhood where it was happening. So funny. These two, this, these homeowners, man and woman out on their front porch going, yeah, we don't really like this. We're not happy. This is here and starting here and everything. And they're sitting out on the porch, like gawking. Like it's the best thing that has happened to them, you know, all year, which made me laugh because I would have been the person sitting on my porch. I don't know about you, but I lo love going to sporting events. I love people watching. Love, 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 love. That would have been the best thing that hit my neighborhood. <laughs> really? Thought, oh, Naked yeah. people? Oh, just the people that would be there, the funny things you would see. Like, I love to people watch. And then I love, um, what are those video bloopers and stuff? I, yeah. I think I would just get a kick out of the whole scene. It would be like a car wreck. Yes. Yeah. I think I would probably do the same thing. I don't want to lie. <laughs> you don't want to lie. Um, I would probably like be like, this is so gross, but just stay there until yeah, the yeah, last person yeah. went by. Yeah. Okay. So they give you seven tips, seven things to know before joining the naked bike ride. Awesome. Number one, body art is encouraged. Hmm. Number two, keep it clean. WNBR suggests you arrive clean and bring something to cover your seat. Sanitize Ugh. before returning if you use a shared bike. Ugh. Number three, all ages are allowed. Number mm. four, plan for after the race. Because mm -hmm. apparently people start going to the bars and there's quite <laughs> a party scene after. So obviously you cannot go in buck naked to the bars and expect to get served. No shirt. And people who are in this naked bike ride, they're totally comfortable being naked all the time. Right. Yeah. So they would go into a bar naked where that would probably be the last thing I would do Which ever. Why I would have trouble being in the naked bike ride. I'd be yeah. with you in a full body suit and I might even have to put something over that because I'm not sure that that would. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not saying I would have looked good. I'm just <laughs> saying I wouldn't have been naked, and it would just look like I was. Like, but you know what I mean. It would be, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so the other one was be loud and proud. Join in the cheers and the chants. So since you've been there, there's cheering and chants? Okay, I was not there. I did oh. sign up, but I did not go. My kids would not. They were really upset that I was even thinking about it. But, um, you know, just like any of the rides, Hood to Coast and all of that, there's usually like live music on the way. There's all kinds of stuff. And I'm imagining like... There was probably a lot of hooting yeah. and hollering throughout the whole race for people. And like, how long is this bike ride? Um, um, I have no idea. Yeah, I'm imagining it's probably not super long, maybe three miles at the most. Yeah, if even that. I mean, number six, which for some reason I only have six tips. I don't know where the other one went, but it was mm -hmm. riding at your own pace, casual ride, not about the finish. Yeah, That's so cool. this isn't like a race. We're not winning anything. We're just displaying is yeah. it for anything specific or is it just one of the keep portland weird things it's for celebrating bicycling and protesting the dependence on motor vehicles Ugh. you know that's great yeah. yeah i have to tell you when i go to europe i am i come back and i just go i want to get rid of my car i want to get out of my car i was at my daughter we were moving my daughter into um her new house at college and it's a block and a way, a block and a half away from a natural grocery store, and it's one that because I went to college in the same town, um, and I love this store. I haven't been there in years, and I, I didn't shop there much because I didn't live near it. But I walked over, got lunch, came back, and I was like, oh, I just want to be able to walk to the market. Yeah, you should probably live in Southeast Portland. I know. That was what I It's kind of a cool little place. Everything's kind of within within walking distance or cool old houses and Except it's so crowded now. You know, Southeast Portland as a whole has a reputation for being very environmentally friendly. You know, everybody's pretty progressive in terms of that. Um, and that that one author, she lived over there. Oh, Beverly Clearly. Yeah. She didn't write the Judy Bloom books? No. Oh. That's Judy Bloom. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I thought that was the name of the book. No, are you there? No. It's oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's a whole corner dedicated to her. It's really artsy and fun and lots of really cool things. Um, I really like some of the houses over there. They reminded me of, like, my grandparents in Lubbock, Texas. Yes. It's so crowded, though, and they've put all these flag lot extra houses in. I mean, they're just packed in, and it's just too tight for me now. I just, yeah. I don't even enjoy it. I'm not, always afraid I'm going to hit a pedestrian. Yeah. Um, and, and it's weird lane. because they park, like, there'll be like two lanes, and all of a sudden the right lane's a parking lane. Yeah, and now they've, they've put the bike lane on the other side of the parking lane, so it's like sidewalk, biking lane, parking, and then driving. Yeah, it's all crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, I don't. It makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. Okay, so um, here's another one. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna roll through some of these weird ones that I don't care about. But here's one that I thought was adorable, and we have to post a picture of this because it's so cute. In 2002, a coyote had been on the tarmac at Portland Airport running around, you know, not really causing problems, but just running around the tarmac. And PDX people were like, you know, we got to get this coyote off the tarmac. And so they kind of chased him away. 
Well, he went and hopped onto a Portland Max train. <laughs> and he gets up on the seat and he's all like rolled in, you know, kind of how they tuck themselves kind of in that ball. Yeah. We have pictures of him and he was so cute. So then they are like, oh my gosh, you know, people are calling in and we've, we've got this coyote and coyotes are not meant or are not, you know, known for being kind to animals. And when they're hungry, they're pretty aggressive, especially to, to other animals and stuff, but people are afraid of them as well. It took them several, like, well, they said few hours. So I would say, I would say that's at least three to get, um, officials, wildlife officials to get him off the train. Wow. Yes. And he's so cute. And so then, um, have you heard of the band, Portland-based band Slater Kinney? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Well, they then wrote a song called The Light Rail Coyote. Oh. And then another band, Modest Mouse, which I had never heard of, they made a music video of the train ride for their song, Coyotes. Wow. I know. So you should, you should Google that. And, and I will, I'll put a post, a picture of that on our website. Cute. So cute. So that was another strange thing that happened. Okay. Another one. Um, you obviously know of the city of boring, right? Oh yeah. So for our listeners that don't live in the area, we have a city called boring, Oregon. Well, they, um, obviously their name is a little unusual and we kind of, you know, a lot of times make fun of it, but they teamed up with the town of dull, D-U-L-L, Scotland, to become sister cities. And every what? year on August 9th, it is boring and dull day. No. Yes. Had you ever heard of this? No. Me neither. So they have like a little festival or whatever. And, and oh. a sign. They show it on their website. I'd never heard of it. Where is boring? Is it that little town that you can rent like skis and stuff in? Yes. It's okay. Candy. That's kind of a cute little town. Yeah. 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 There's a donut shop in there. Ooh, <laughs> really? Okay. So listen to this one. You, I know, have heard of the Bigfoot, you know, mystery of Bigfoot and all that stuff. Yes. I've been to that museum. What museum? They have a Bigfoot museum and the guy who started it is on from that TV show. Like, I don't remember the name. It's one of the Bigfoot TV shows. And so we went to that. I went with the Warthers and, um, okay. Um, I believe it's really considered Sandy, but it's that, um, turn off as you leave. Um, gosh, I'm really terrible with directions like Estacada. And then you're going to take a right to get on the highway to go to Mount Hood. Okay. And instead you go up and over the overpass and it looks like one of those old um, fast food restaurants where the girls would wear their roller skates. Yes. Yes. I it's in it. that parking lot. Oh, interesting. Okay. And um, it's actually, it's small and it's really, really nice. He's got like um, castings of footprints and tons of pictures and things from all over the world and most like all the recent sightings and little pins on the map everywhere where supposedly he has been seen or, you know, Bigfoot has been seen, but no one has ever actually like found a body of one or, you know, that I know of, but, um, we did go to that museum. Oh, interesting. I never heard of the museum. Yeah. This comes up on one of our strange facts about Oregon in 1974. So I was three, you were probably what? One. One. Okay. 
Um, the North American Wildlife Research Team built a Bigfoot trap in the Siskiyou National Forest. The trap mm. is still there. And a trap or yeah, track? A trap. Okay. And they, for six years, they left it baited with animal carcasses because a man had come to them and said, I had a sighting. I saw this Bigfoot. I want to say there was a footprint or something. I don't know. But where uh, is this? I want to go. Well, so that's the deal. Um, so it's in the Siskiyou National Forest. So I looked that up. It's yeah. way over in Eastern Oregon. I thought maybe since you were saying the museum yeah. is where it is, I was like, oh, well, maybe this is near, you know, that. But no, it's not near Sandy at all. It's like way east. I. I'm now struggling with where I remember it's close to the Idaho border is where it is. Okay. Like six hours from here then. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Okay. So for six years, they actually baited it and everything and never found a single thing, never had a sighting. Um, But do you believe in Bigfoot? I don't. Is that bad? I don't know. I, part of me is like, I want to believe in it. Like, like I don't know like how do they have these huge footprints or is it something that looks like that like well, that's I'm torn I, because like I, I I mean how could there not be a species out there that we're not aware of but there are so many like um you know cams out you know what are those wildlife cam cameras cameras yeah yeah and I'm like wouldn't we have like I think we have a lot of grainy footage and stuff. Like, can we find like some really good, good. solid evidence? Yeah. I, I mean, and maybe a footprint here and there is, I don't know. Like, um, well, I don't want to say it doesn't, but I'm like, I just, the technical part of me is like, I want like proof. actual, I want to, I want to see it in real life. I want to like, could it be something else that, um, I don't know because they've they've actually found sometimes that there were like homeless people living in the woods. Like, could that have been what people? They would have to be the size of of um, Shaquille O'Neal, right? Like a size twenty four foot. <laughs> well, that has. I mean, I don't know. In the woods. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> because it wouldn't be like you step and then it expands. If anything, then the. the dirt around would retract as it dried i'm not retract is that you know what i mean like yeah but if you take your foot and you kind of mush it around you can make it bigger i mean you don't you don't just like unless you're just walking and you have a whole bunch of steps if you took your foot into the mud and moved it back and forth and up and you know back and forth so these people who find these prints though they're like in the middle of the woods is somebody going to be trekking around barefoot? No. And are they doing it to maybe make people believe it is? Well, or could it be like a really huge bear that has an odd shaped foot? Yeah. That could, could it be just a big foot? find old bears that die and have a weird foot? I don't know. Well, like the corn crops. Do you believe in those alien corn crops or whatever? Well, part of me would love to believe it, but then I've seen videos of people who make them. Oh, I've never seen the video people make Oh, them. yeah, I've seen the whole video of how they do it. Ah. So, like, part of me is like, okay, that would be really cool if that was actually true. But then when you see how they 
actually do it. I've heard. And it's hard to believe. Like a board, right? And they walk on it. And then they yeah. Board. Yeah. And they swirl it like that on purpose with the board. Like, yeah. I don't know. How do they keep it so straight, though? So perfect. So I suppose if your board is as same length, right? So we've done it where, like, um, do you ever use, like, Strava or one of those running apps? No, I haven't used Strava, but I have used some running app. Something like that. And then when you go and look at it, you can see like your route that you did. Yeah. So we've gone to like a huge park. Let's just say you go to a um, a football field and in the middle of the grass, we will try to write words using our running pattern. Oh. And then when you go to your app, you can see what you wrote. Oh. <laughs> it doesn't work so well. Oh. <laughs> so like you're saying is... How do they make it so perfect? I don't know. Other than that board is a certain length. But when you're trying to eyeball something that by, by just your body, it might be a lot harder. Well, I think you'd have to have a rope, like the, the round ones. You'd have to have a rope that you staked into the middle and you had it marked like three feet, 10 feet, whatever. And yeah. then you'd go to the end of it and you'd make your circle. So you knew you were tight and circular and then you go to the next section and do that. But there's all sorts of shapes. So I yeah, yeah. I don't even begin to understand. Yeah, I don't. And to do it like in like 20 foot increments, I mean, I have no idea how they would do that. But doesn't that also ruin farmers crops? Exactly. I mean, I don't. That just sounds really bad. <laughs> I mean, I don't have time for that. I, I, uh -uh. I guess I have time to put together information for a podcast, but I don't have time for that. <laughs> I mean, that really takes like, you know, we have an hour of studying or, or a little bit longer. Sometimes we've got shows about it, but then, you know, our actual podcast, we don't have hours to like build all the stuff to go out to a field and to trick people. Yeah. Yeah. But I wouldn't mind like a nice long hike to find a Bigfoot trap. Okay. Well, there you go. You go, girl. It's, it's listed. But I don't want to drive six miles or six hours to get there. Six hours. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Wait. So this one I included because I am a Oregon duck, but um, Oregon duck in 2017 um, was suspended for physically fighting the Houston Cougars mascot. And I mm. actually remember watching this game and I remember this happening. So I know you don't follow college football much and don't, you know, not a fan of the ducks or whatever, but mm -hmm. The duck um, started when we started becoming good because we were horrible when I was there. Okay, maybe I shouldn't say horrible, but we were in the bottom of the pack 10 at the time. Um, he started doing push-ups. So for each, you know, score, he would do like the first six, he'd do six push-ups. When we got the extra one, then he'd do seven. And then when we got the next one, he'd do, uh, what would it be, 13. And then he'd do 14. And so each game, and we had huge scoring games. So sometimes, you know, we'd score up to 77 or, you know, beyond or whatever in a game. And so he'd be doing that many push-ups each time. Well, this Houston Cougar, they scored and he came over and did push-ups in front of our student section. And the duck at first, you know, goes and kind of pushes him down, gets on top of him. You can watch this whole video online and um they kind of start bantering a little bit and then he just starts wailing on him well the interesting thing is um they said that the duck was suspended they didn't say this the kid inside of the suit was suspended they said the mm. duck was suspended yes 
And since there's several different students that reside in the duck, it was never announced who it was. We do not know if this student really was suspended or if truly the duck was suspended, but they did come out and say that this was not acceptable, that the Oregon duck mascot is held to a higher standard and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But the reason I also include this is because I knew one of the Oregon ducks when I was there. And it was actually a girl. So I'll just tell you that. But people would punch her in the, um, oh my gosh, what's that called when you come down those tunnels? Yeah. The tunnels into the stadium. Yeah. Other men, you know, like fans. Yeah. Would encounter her and they would start punching her. And this was before they kind of had a, um, a person to walk around with them. Yeah. Having no idea that a girl is actually inside this suit. Well, it doesn't matter. Nobody should be doing that. And I know this happens because my son had one of those uh, dinosaur costumes. Yes. And we were at a church event and the little kids would do that. Really? They would like just come up and just like, like fight him like, as if it wasn't really a person. Oh my gosh. And then of course the mama bear and me is like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. Well, the funniest story with me and this person, person who will remain nameless, um, is that I helped her on her very first day, put on the outfit and the costume and get ready. And, um, we didn't really know what we were doing and it was <laughs> the first time for her. And so there was like part of a shoe, a, a lace up shoe inside of the duck, um, feet and you know, those are huge webbed feet, right? And they're very hard to walk in, let alone run. Well, instead of just slipping your foot in, you were supposed to slip your foot and then tie the lace-ups to tighten it, which we did not know. <laughs> mm. So I get her in this costume. She's very excited. She goes out and, and they welcome the duck. I mean, it's a big brouhaha, right? And she goes running out on the field. She trips over her feet because they're not laced up mm -hmm. and she falls flat on her face. And instead of like, you know, looking like that was accidental, she flips over on her back and like does some shaking and the whole crowd just goes crazy because she pretended like she fell on purpose. You're right. And... <laughs> Then, of course, like later, I was helping her get out of it. She's soaking wet, by the way, from head to toe. Yeah. And, from sweat? Uh, yes. Oh, from sweat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And um, she's like, Mo, we did not tie the shoes properly. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> it was very funny. Dang. Yeah. Okay. So a couple more quick ones, which these are, to me, not as quite as interesting, but um, I'm going to tell you anyways, because www.onlyinyourstate.com had them. Okay, the oldest pairs of shoes, the oldest pair of shoes in the world were found in a cave in Oregon. In 1938, mm. in a cave in central Oregon, preserved in a layer of Mount Mazuma eruption, which by the way, is otherwise known as Crater Lake, that area that was called Mount Mazuma, they found 70 pairs of sandals that were 10,000 years old in Fort Rock Cave. And it's- What did they look like? They looked like, um, 
straw had been woven. Um, oh, espadrilles. They looked like an espadrille with like um, also that same material, kind of like a thong or kind of going over a sandal. Yeah. Yeah. They looked like espadrilles. That's a perfect example. But it took 70 years for scientists and anthropologists to figure out that they were the oldest shoes found. Isn't that cool? Mm, That's really cool. Okay. And here's my, my last one. Um, Ezra Meeker came to Oregon via the Oregon trail and lived long enough to cross it again by airplane. He was 22 years old when he came by ox drawn wagon. And then at 96 years old, he flew across the Oregon trail in an airplane. He did this to bring um, awareness and memory to the Oregon trail because he felt like people kind of had forgotten what had gone on and how hard it was to get out here. Yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Yeah. So that's my weird facts. If, if you live in the Pacific Northwest, if you have visited here, you'll often see Keep Portland Weird. So kind of tagging on to what Leslie said, some weird stuff has been going on here. But we also kind of are known for being weird. And the naked bike ride is just one of those things, coupled with a whole lot of other weird things. So It's true. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> what's your case today? Okay, you'll have to remind me of the name of the girl that we covered the case um, in the very beginning. Catherine Scott Eggleston. Yes, Catherine Eggleston. Yeah. Um, so when I was researching, I did find a girl on Facebook. Her name is Shelly, and she helped me with some of the case and some of um, the questions that I had. She had um, actually uh, interviewed the father of this girl and So she knew quite a bit. And so she was asking me, like, are you trying to solve this case? Are you trying to just do a story? And I said, well, you know, kind of at this point, we are just, you know, covering stories. But I mean, it would be really cool to solve a case one day. And she's like, well, there's this one. I think that if you wanted to, you probably could solve it. And I'm like, okay, let's have it. So she gave me this name. And this was probably back in March. And so I finally um, sat down with the old book that I had written all the notes in and I came across the name again. So then I looked it up and this woman, um, her name was Floyd Jean Bennett and she had the nickname of Jeannie. She was 37 when she went missing. She was 5'8 and she was 120 pounds. So she was this little thing, little taller thing. I don't know. Um, (laughs) She was like four inches taller than me. No, sorry. I can't do the math. She's six inches taller than me. So to me, she'd be really tall and probably short for you. Wait, how tall she? <laughs> She's 5'8". Oh, okay. Um, and she was... She's actually uh, tall for a woman. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Short for me, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she'd be like in between us. Yeah. Um, and she was a bleach blonde. She um, went missing in February of 1978 in Beaverton, Oregon. So of course, this catches my eye because she really is like you know, six or seven miles from us. How old was she when she went missing? She was 37. Okay. And from what I could tell, I couldn't tell if she had kids. There was no mention of a family um, of kids or anything like that. Um, But she was originally Floyd Jean Espley. And she was born in... Floyd? Floyd. F-L-O-Y. Yeah, Floyd. Floyd Jean Espley was her maiden name. And it looks like 
Um, she was born in March 28, 1941, and she graduated from the Jefferson High School. Do you remember Jefferson High School? When I was in high school, um, the Jefferson dancers were like a big thing. Yeah. And so she was on the cheerleading squad. And then in 1962, she married Robert Bennett at the First Methodist Church in Vancouver. And they were living in Beaverton, and they lived there for 16 years. And it looks like she was a court reporter for the Multnomah County, um, for just Multnomah County, sorry. And then on Thursday, February 23rd, her husband states that she went shopping and never returned. Now, it also says that on... Five days later, he reported that her rental car was in the driveway. And then when he came home from work or wherever he was at and suitcases and her clothes were gone. And he said that she ran off with another man, although he never claims he actually saw her. It was just that her rental car. Now, I don't know why it says rental car. Could it have been her real car? I don't know. But from the different different websites that I found, it, it all mentions a rental car. So I have no idea why that would be. But then two weeks later, he actually files for divorce and um, just claiming that she ran off with another man. She never picked up paychecks from work and she never um, uh, used her social security card ever again. So like she wasn't applying for a job. She also got a $90,000 inheritance, which is now missing. Now, was it missing because of her? Was it missing because of him? Nobody really knows. And the family and the Multnomah County courts put together a thousand dollar reward. And back then that could have been quite a bit of money, but then, um, by 1980, the case went cold, but in 1986, Robert had a brother that brothers, um, that brother died. Then he married the widow. So now he married his sister-in-law, a detective, by the name of Ray Monty was a PI on the case in 1988. And I don't know who um, hired him or, or if he just came across this case on his own, but he got a tip from a psychic and he went and dug up a barbecue pit, or it could have been like um, almost like a patio with a barbecue on it at the home of this sister-in-law, which he then married. Right. Uh-huh. And I don't know why he would have gone there because this was many years later, right? This is like eight years later. Why would he go after the wife went missing? Why would he go to this other house and dig up this place? I have no idea. Um, they did not find her there. And my thought is she's probably at the house that he lived at. And the only reason why I think this was he just starts using alias names because it was after they searched her property is when he moved away. He moved to like Salt Lake City and he started moving in Vegas and he lived in all these different homes, but he was using a different name from then on. Now I'd be curious. After he moved from whose property? So after he moved from his own property and he married that chick. Uh Uh-huh. Well, his his brother's widow. His brother's widow. After they get married and then they search her property. Yeah. Now I don't, they only searched her property because of that psychic said it. No, I don't know. Like I said, I don't know why they would have looked at her property and not the property he rented or that he lived in way back when Floyd went missing. Does that make sense? Like, why would they do that? There were two totally different locations. Mm. I believe that Jeannie is probably at the location of their old house. Yeah. In their backyard, probably yeah. dismembered. He, she could even be under the patio because I mean, if the psychic picked that up, maybe she's just under the wrong location. 
Right. But I believe that she's probably in that backyard. Or did it take him 10 years to knock off his brother to actually marry his brother's wife? Because in 78 is when Floyd, his wife, went missing. And then 86 is when, oh, wait, so not even seven, eight years, then he married his brother's wife, widow. Yeah, but like why, I mean, so, I don't see him taking his his wife who he killed into their backyard. Find out where the address in Beaverton she lived. I have it, but I am not going to say it because there's a family that lives there and they do not need to be. Um, Correct. Yeah. The thing is, if that house ever goes for sale, because I have pinned it on my uh, one of my apps. And um, if it goes for sale, you bet I'm going to be looking in that backyard. <laughs> will, they, will they let us? Will can Jeanette help us with those? Um... OK, so that's why I contacted her. Because we, and I mentioned this to you about those dowsing rods. Yes. Because if that house goes for sale, I'm taking those dowsing rods. I'm putting Jeanette on the speakerphone and we're going out there together. Well, do we need to, why don't we just get permission from the homeowners? Why do we need to wait till they move? Why don't we just ask them if they care if we come on their property? Do you want to do that? Sure. Okay. I mean, if you thought that someone was buried in your backyard that would bring closure to their family, wouldn't you say yes? I mean, I get that, you know what, your house is going to be a shit show and whatever, but wouldn't you want that for the family? Maybe part of me is so I've seen the pictures of the backyard when they did list it for sale at one point. Yeah. And it's it looks similar to my backyard and it's really manicured. I'm like, how did they miss it? Like, where could she be in that backyard? Or could she just be like, in the house, like in the foundation, or like, could she be, I believe she's well, probably somewhere over there though, because if he, his well, second murder, he did it at his own house, right? He buried him well, in his, his own MO, house at the rental house. His MO is to split things up. So very much like the, um, Powell case. What was his name? Oh my gosh. Josh Powell. He, he also split, I believe split the body up and put parts and pieces everywhere. So Are you sure? Not, because he said, the little boy said, mommy's in the well. Yeah, but if you if you read the whole, um, or I actually listened to a big documentary that's on it. It was very well done. Um, it was on podcast. I don't remember the name of it. I apologize. Very well done. But they talk about a couple trips, one in particular, where he stopped a lot of different places. And he actually took a car that he was driving on that trip and left it in Eastern Oregon somewhere. Eastern Oregon? No, it wasn't Eastern Oregon. Uh, I I'm totally wasn't prepared to do this story, so I apologize. Um, somewhere between Utah and Spokane and left this car in a junkyard and actually went back later checking Google images to make sure that the car had been um, smushed and, and, and crushed. It had not. There, we should we should cover that case okay. because there was because that's also somewhat local. Yeah, and there were so many mistakes that investigators made. But I I believe after listening to that, at least it's my assumption that he actually dismembered her and dropped her um, many different places. And mm -hmm. I do believe the kids saw something, um, but it doesn't mean they saw everything that he did. Yeah, um, he was a psychopath clearly obviously the way he went down and for those of you that don't know the 
uh, Susan and Josh Powell case, it was all over the news, um, but he ended up blowing up himself and his two children in a house after getting um, a court-ordered visitation with the kids with their child protective. Um, the social worker dropped him off. And he pushed her out of the door, brought the kids in, shut and locked the door. She proceeded to panic and start calling 911. Have, you, so, have you heard his recordings? Yes. It's terrible. It's horrible. But 911 did not do their job very well, I didn't think. Um, just my opinion. Well, there's a lot of things that happen with 911. I think that we, um, I think as callers and maybe 911 could do this is like, let us know, okay, police are on their way. So even though I'm still asking you these questions, they're, they've already been contacted, but right? they weren't on their way. They weren't. So sometimes though, that you feel like they're, no one's listening Yeah. and they're not really doing anything. Maybe they are. Yeah. Maybe they're sending help, but we just don't know it yet. Well, Leslie, it's just like when we did our interview with Jeanette, and I don't know if we cut this part out, but when um, the gentleman that she brought on was talking and he called 911 because he'd been stabbed in his home and she said, we're, we're sending, you know, we're sending EMTs right away, blah, blah, blah. And he said, don't lie to me. I know you're not. I know you have to secure the, the space. The scene first. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on that we don't exactly aren't privy to yeah on how these things work but um i i have listened to enough 911 calls to know that you know sometimes they're asking a bunch of questions but they don't say okay we we're sending somebody now answer these questions for me yes like that would be really nice that would be really nice but sometimes you feel like they're just asking a million questions you're like send someone already yeah and if they just say, you know, somebody's en route, I've got them en route, now I need to ask you some questions. That would right. all calm down, I think. But. Anyway, yeah, I, I think that this woman could be in that backyard. I could, um, we could, we could definitely probably figure out who lives there and write them a letter. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Maybe I can get our new, our friend from our Facebook page to come with us. Okay. And then, um, and then get Jeanette on the phone. She actually said she agreed to maybe talk to us on Thursday if you were wanting to do that. Okay, let's do it. And then that will get next week's done. All right, awesome. Anyway, I'm going to post um, the next Suzanne Jocka show if anybody wants to sign up for that. If you sign up, please, please, please show up for your call. There's nothing to be afraid of if that's one thing that was holding you back. It could have just been that it was Labor Day, but... If you take that spot, please just come to the meeting. That would be great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.